0: Morning. You're listening to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this Tuesday, the 18th of February. Um, I've been talking this morning a little bit about being gracious and gentle with one another, uh, and part of that is provoked by um, my knowledge this morning of the passing of Nick Hall's sister Jenny, and um, you know, at just 40 years old. I mean, her 40th birthday was just a few weeks ago. Uh, her six-month battle. With cancer ended, Uh, Nick's tweet about it ten hours ago uh, is this: Tonight, a six-month battle ended. Jesus giving us the greatest miracle of all. Life is so beautiful and so fragile. If you don't have peace with God and don't know Jesus, my sister would want you to have the joy and forgiveness that marked her life. Um. In birth, and in death. And in every moment in between, we belong to God. And eternity is real. And heaven is real. And hell is real. Um, and there is a way for you to know today where you are going to spend eternity. And you can actually start living that life abundant, that real life that Jesus died to give you. You can start living it today. Um, and why would you wait another day? Why would you, why would you wait one more moment To do the business with God that needs to be done in order to know, not only in this moment, but in every moment for all eternity from here on, that you belong to God. That your relationship is restored with Him by His grace when you put your faith in Jesus. Um, So my heart goes out today and my prayers go up for my friend Nick and his family for those of you who have uh, have ever been to uh, the stadium for um, a, an event where God was being uh, glorified and His name exalted and lifted up, um, you know that that might have been Nick Hall preaching the gospel in front of tens of thousands of people calling us together uh, as one one voice and one people of faith. Maybe you have been on uh, on the Washington Mall uh, when Nick was doing the same thing. Um, at a together event uh and so god is using nick certainly profoundly in profound ways but that does not insulate nick nor his family from the reality of death or disease or cancer and so i want us to be mindful of that today i want us to be mindful that as christians we're not um we're not promised uh health and wealth we are promised redemption. We are promised restoration. We are promised eternity with the Father, and we are promised a real, full, abundant life right here and right now. So if you lack that peace, if you lack the peace that passes all understanding, let me just invite you to just turn to God right now and say, I'm ready to take you up on your offer of grace. I know I need it and I want it. Um, I want that peace. That's all you have to say. All right, next up, I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. David Stevens. We are going to uh, do a little update on the coronavirus and a number of other health-related topics. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: Dr.
0: joining me now Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association you can find them at cmda.org Dr. Stevens welcome back
2: Good to be with you Carmen and thank you for that moving testimony of uh, God's grace with Nick and his family and what God offers to all of us
0: Thank you you know I feel like it's the primary business that we are uh, that we're in is to be sure that people know the good news of the gospel and that it's available right now, no matter where you are, or what you've done, um, or how 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 long the length of your days may be. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for and that. That's one of the reason
2: Christian doctors can have such a, a wonderful mission field in the profession as we train our members and we have a training called Faith Prescriptions and how to, uh, you know, uh, share the gospel with people that are in need and be spiritually sensitive and take spiritual histories and talk about spiritual issues. And that's more and more important, the sicker the patient is. But I still think one of the best mission fields left in this country is in the office of Christian health care professionals who see people suffering and thinking about uh, what's next if they're terminally ill. Uh, what an opportunity to stand there at the crossroads and tell them about Christ.
0: Such important ministry. So again, if you're listening right now and you are a healthcare professional and you say to yourself, wow, I'd like to know how to do that. I'd like to talk with other people who are interested in those conversations. You can connect with Dr. Stevens and the Christian Medical and Dental Association at cmda.org. Um, Dr. Stevens, let's do an update on the coronavirus. Um, the news, <laughs> I'll just admit to you, I can't tell whether or not um, I should be hysterical or whether or not the numbers are getting better because it sort of seems to depend who you ask.
2: Yeah, well, the numbers are still increasing, though there's some evidence that um, it's starting to decline, the number of new cases. But, you know, people are kind of taking that with a grain of salt out of China. The good news is, is the, the the U.S. government administration and those in the Departments of Health and Human Services, CDC, have done a marvelous job in protecting us. And I mean, we're not seeing... The huge numbers uh, that could have happened if this hadn't been controlled well by quarantining people as they came in from affected areas, We now have about 15 cases. In China, they have reported, uh, you know, over 72,000 cases, and it's probably much higher than that. Uh, over 10,000 of those were quite severe, requiring hospitalization. And deaths have climbed over 1,700. So uh, there's still a, a lot of problems there. In fact, I picked up today that they're estimating now that over 150 million people are having some sort of travel restrictions or quarantines in uh, in China. That's almost half the size of the United States. People that are quarantined, and uh, unfortunately, this is still spreading. Just today, the report that the director of the hospital, wh- which was at the heart of uh, this epidemic in the Wuhan province uh, died of the virus. So we need to be praying for people there. I know healthcare professionals in China, in that area, and they're dealing with shortages of masks and uh, IVs and all sorts of things. Uh, The government actually just put uh, a bunch of new uh, military uh, doctors into that area trying to help uh, deal with this because they, they're just overwhelmed. They put 1,200 more military doctors and nurses into the area trying to, to keep up with this. So uh, we need to be in prayer about, pray about this, but I think there's no sense to panic. Uh, we've got good controls in place, and, and thank God that we've been protected from this spreading as an epidemic in our own country
0: wondering what counsel you would give um, if there are people who have international travel plans, um, particularly to places where maybe uh, people are not as careful and the safeguards are not as stringent as they are here in the United States.
2: Yeah, well, a, you know, I wouldn't go to China right now, uh, probably any of it, and uh, of course there's, um, you know, cautions for that. Some of the countries surrounding it have more incidents than we're, we're seeing here. Places like Singapore, Hong Kong, things like that. Uh, so that it, you protect yourself from this the same way you protect yourself from the flu, and that is frequent hand washing. We always think, you know, don't want people to cough on me. That's important, but actually more of this is. Uh, by contact uh, than it is by sneezing or coughing on someone. In fact, an interesting thing that illustrates this is that they are disinfecting money in China now. Uh, from uh, hospitals, fresh food markets, and buses. They're even destroying it in the affected area and saying we don't want this to pass on to other people. And then uh, they're, they're sterilizing money from other uh, areas uh, in the country. So uh, that shows you how they're concerned in realizing how this is passing. So, washing your hands frequently with soap and water, uh, scrubbing them well, saying uh, Mary has a little lamb a couple times while you're doing it, soap uh, under your fingernails, use alcohol sterilization, that type of thing. If uh, you're coughing, uh, just to pass the flu or a cold, don't cough into your hand because that puts the germs where they're going to come into contact with lots of things. Cough into your elbows. If you use the tissue, uh, put throw that away, wash your hands afterwards, uh, those type of things. If you start getting sick, be especially careful. Um, travel, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be afraid to go to most places in the world and just those usual precautions in the high incidence areas unless there's some really big reason you've got to go, life and death type thing, I would avoid those areas, especially China, uh, where this has been so common. 99% of the cases, 99% are still in China.
0: All right. I am talking with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, February, which is heart month, heart health month. Um, I'm going to ask him whether or not brushing and flossing our teeth is going to protect us from stroke. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation now with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find them at cmda.org. Okay. Here's the big question. Will brushing and flossing protect me against
2: stroke? Yeah. There's actually a new study that's come out. And uh, it's interesting as you look at dentistry, you know, dentists are our members as well as physicians, nurses, and others. and a Can I give a little
0: shout out to Dr. Vollmer? There you go.
2: That's it. Uh, (laughs) That's great. One of our members (laughs) has just uh, put out a a book, uh, you know, talking about how oral health really affects your total health and there's a new study showing the gum disease is linked to higher rates of stroke and the Mm. reason for this is the inflammation in the mouth actually stimulates the buildup of atherosclerosis, plaque in the major arteries going to your brain. And of course, as this plaque breaks off and goes flying up into your brain, it blocks blood vessels and and causes stroke. And uh, so this has not uh, been really looked at before, but uh, there's definite evidence that there's about twice as many strokes if you have gum disease. Uh, three times is likely to have a stroke involving blood uh, in the vessels in the back of your brain, which is where it affects your control of your vision, your coordination, other functions. Those are very difficult strokes to to deal with. So, uh, yeah, good brushing, um, rinsing your mouth with a mouthwash um, and brushing after every meal really makes a difference. And part of that is getting those brush bristles down into the edges of the gum around the teeth. That's where gum disease starts. And um, protecting yourself from gum disease can protect yourself from stroke.
0: Okay, everyone is now um, hoping that I am going to ask about um, what kind of toothbrush we should be using, because I don't know about you, but the toothbrush market is really like it's extraordinary. So how how do I I mean, can I just use the toothbrush that I get for free at the dentist's office or should I go get one where they send me a new brush head every three weeks or like what to what lengths do I need to go in terms of the kind of toothbrush I'm using?
2: Yeah, there's more concern about brushing often than there is about what kind of brush. And uh, taking your time doing it, getting down into around the edges of the teeth into your gums, making sure you get everywhere, the back of your molars and the back of your mouth, which are kind of hard to reach. Some people feel like it gags them. That's important. And uh, more than the brush, uh, what you get at the dentist office is often the latest and the best, and they're trying to create a market for this. Sometimes it's not the best; it's just another of the usual variety. But they're, they're trying to get people to buy their toothbrushes, and they give them to the dentists to distribute. So, but the key thing is to brush often, brush well, and start young. You should be brushing your your children's teeth as soon as they start getting them, and get a little brush and uh, and supervise their brushing and teach them to brush well. Uh, Mary had a little lamb. Singing that a couple times while you're brushing your teeth kind of gives you an idea in your head, not with your voice singing it, how long you should be doing it, and uh, and it'll make a huge difference in your overall health and decrease your strokes, as we just talked about.
0: Okay, so let's um let's stay on this uh, heart a little bit of this heart emphasis since February is Heart Month or Heart Health Month. Um, talk with us about uh, some efforts to prevent death from a broken heart.
2: Yeah, you know, we've heard that expression and, you know, many people think, well, that's, you know, sadness after death. But people do die more often when they lose, especially a spouse or a child and uh, we all know of incidences especially with older couples when one spouse dies the next one dies soon afterwards uh, grief can literally break your heart and uh, a new study shows there's actually a couple medicines that can help prevent this what's happened in the past uh, people try to get counseling, sometimes uh, doctors will pro- provide tranquilizers or sedatives to help with sleep and that type of thing. But low dose aspirin, baby aspirin and a blood pressure medicine called low presser, which is a, what we call a beta blocker, it's a, it's a medicine for high blood pressure and other heart issues. Uh, can actually help reduce the survivor's risk of fatal or non-fatal heart attack, which goes up when you're dealing with grief. When you're dealing with grief and it's severe, your blood pressure goes up and other things happen. So the risk of having a heart attack is four times higher with someone with severe grief in the six months right after uh, they've experienced this. So uh, this is good news because for years we've had nothing really good Uh, to give to people that are dealing with this issue. And a nice uh, extra thing is it keeps your blood pressure lower, it decreases anxiety and depression, and people seem to cope better. And after six months of this, you can take a patient off of it, but you've helped protect them from a, a fatal heart attack or a heart attack that would put them into the hospital.
0: Okay. And then one final question, because I, I I really couldn't resist this conversation. Is it possible that instead of an apple a day, I could have a cup of hot cocoa a day?
2: <laughs> yeah, I like cocoa too. And uh, one of the other heart issues, related issues, is called peripheral artery disease. This is when you get atherosclerosis, especially in your lower legs. It can be very debilitating difficulty in walking, and uh, lots of pain. And a a new study shows that dark chocolate uh, taken three times a day, and doesn't even have to be sweet, uh, increases cocoa flavonols. Flavonols are a substance that also is found in green vegetables, berries, apple, and tea. But this actually helps peripheral artery disease, the pain to go down, the patient's ability to walk improves. And this is the same chocolate that you find in unsweetened cocoa. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's fun to drink. Uh, it doesn't have any calories if you don't sweeten it up very much and uh, it can really help peripheral artery disease. It dilates the arteries and lets more blood through and uh, lowers your blood pressure and really helps these patients. Uh, I've got a, a brother-in-law that deals with this, and uh, I'm going to be passing this article on to him uh, later today saying, hey, start drinking some hot chocolate. It can make you feel a lot better.
0: All right, so I'm thinking that maybe the ideal uh, lunch or snack is uh, some green veggies, um and some uh, chocolate, dark chocolate dipped strawberries, and some hot tea. There you go. There you, you're gonna get them all. There, you, there go. you go. I'm
2: a I'm a tea drinker, so I'm all for the tea. So there I still go. drink tea from Kenya, Carmen, where we uh, were missionaries for 11 years, and start every morning. i had my cup this morning. It's sitting right here beside me. Tea's good for you. Tea is good for you.
0: Thank you so much. Conversations with the doctor are good for us as well. <laughs> Uh, You guys can find Dr. David Stevens and the Christian Medical and Dental Association at cmda.org. If you are involved in any way in the medical or dental professions, this is your organizational connecting point. Um, These are the people with whom you want to uh, not only affiliate, but there are all kinds of resources available for you at their website. So check it out, cmda.org. Dr. Stevens, thank you again for being with us.
2: Thank you, Carmen.
0: We'll be right back. All right. So the question is to touch or not to touch. It's a really difficult answer or difficult question to answer today. Um, So many people have suffered so much trauma at the hands of others, and yet physical touch is critical um, to life. It's it's critical. I mean, we need hugs. We need hand holding. um, We need to know people are there and that they care. It's critical to our flourishing. So how do we know? How do we know when and how and who? to offer a hand or a hug. Um, Well, in an era of anxiety about personal boundaries and sexual signals, Jesus does actually show us the way, how to minister to others with care and sensitivity. Up next, Lori Ferguson Wilbert on Handle with Care.
1: Let's talk about your inheritance. As a child of God, you have one, you know. You aren't merely a slave, servant, or saint of God. No, you have legal right to the family, business, and fortune of heaven. The will has been executed. The courts have been satisfied. Your spiritual account has been funded. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Need more patience? It's yours. Need more joy? Request it. Running low on wisdom? God has plenty. And you will never exhaust his resources. At no time does he wave away your prayer with, Oh, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm depleted. God is wealthy in love and hope and overflowing in wisdom. No one has ever seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Because God's promises are unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. This is Max Locato.
0: me now, Lori Ferguson-Wilbert. She is the author of Handle with Care, How Jesus Redeems the Power of Touch in Life and Ministry. Lori, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. My list of questions for you is far longer than the time that we have today Um, (laughs) because I have, in addition to the book, I have watched some of the videos on YouTube where you talk about a lot of other stuff that I would really love to delve into. Um, But today we're going to focus in on the book. Again, the book is Handle with Care. And let me just go ahead and tell our listeners, because they're going to want to know this, yes, I have copies to give away. So if as you listen, you say to yourself, wow, I would really be blessed um, by that. I have a way in ministry to use that. Then you can always text me at 877-933-2484. All you do is text the word book. Um, Okay, so Lori, let's dive in. Touch. Uh, This is, it's a huge question, right? Like, uh, to touch or not to touch, that is is a plaguing question. When I meet a family for the first time at church, do I reach out my hand? Do I go in for the hug? Do I touch their kids? Like, walk us in this path that we now find ourselves in, in terms of the hesitancy to touch, and yet, the ways in which we really need touch and the therapeutic ways in which Jesus uses it.
3: Yeah. And I think it is a minefield. Like you're you're saying, it's a minefield. We don't know what to do. Um, and that's why I wrote the book, because I thought, man, it's I don't even think we need to know what to do exactly. But I think we need to think about how to think um, about touch. And so Uh, In the book, I don't actually tell you what to do. I don't tell you how to hug the person in front of you or um, use your body with their body. But I I try to help us think about these things, to think about how Jesus used his body, to think about how we should use our bodies in interaction in various relationships. So whether it's the family at church or um, with your own body or with the body of a spouse or um just whatever bodies we encounter, how do we engage with those bodies uh in a way that reflects Christ and the and sort of the the meaning and the message behind how he touched and interacted with people, and so Jesus was all about closing the gap. he was all about um bringing sort of what's what God has been telling the story of all through the old testament he's sort of bringing that there right to those people in that time. And obviously, we're not Jesus, and so we're not going to be doing that in the same way. But uh, we are—we are the expression of Christ here on earth um, in the church. And so, what does it look like for us to engage people with our bodies as bodies and, and with other bodies? And I, the, the honest answer, Carmen, is I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I say again and again in the book that I, this is not a prescriptive work. I'm not trying to tell people. What to do, because I think there are so many stories, uh, just beautiful stories and really, really harmful, traumatic stories that people have lived. And I can't possibly know their story. And so I just want to make the reader think about these things, because I think it's easy to just sort of just sort of respond to what culture is doing or what's normal in the church without thinking about it.
0: Well, I also think it's easy to imagine that everybody's story is my is mine. Like right, and so and so, people are going to feel the way about hugging or touching or holding hands or having my hand rest on their back in the same way that I would respond to those things. Well, I have not lived their life nor walked in their shoes, and I don't have any idea the ways in which touch has been used um, to harm them to traumatize them. I don't. I don't know people's histories, and so I think that part of what I really appreciated about the approach that you took. Um, and again, I am uh I am talking um with Lori and do do I have to say Ferguson Wilbert every time? Because Lori no, is such a unique spelling. Lori. It's L O R E. And so pretty much if people just know that it's Lori with uh that's with spelled Lore, which I totally love. Um the book is Handle with Care, How Jesus Redeems the Power of Touch in Life and Ministry. Um so it, it, what I love uh, about the way that you approach this is that you deal with these eight different seasons of life or life circumstances. um and and in each of these, you really sort of bring a different person's life experience into focus, um which builds empathy, right? I mean, for people who didn't remain single a really long time, reading reading about the season of life of remaining single a really long time or being single again is particularly helpful um because it's different than their own life experience and so talk a little bit about that approach there are 8 different seasons or circumstances of life that you deal with in the different segments of the book
3: Yeah, I think one of the things that I quote early on in the book is the danger of sort of bringing our story into the story of Jesus is that we can, the reader could lose sight of Jesus and just look at our story. But the danger of not doing that, the danger of not bringing our story is that the reader could just think that God and Jesus have no bearing on our story, on our personal story. And so I had to kind of walk this dance of bringing my own story into this and and that meant i could only talk about the things that i've actually lived through and so i haven't i haven't gone through retirement age or old age and so i'm i'm still you know learning as i as i grow and change and and god brings various experiences into my life so those are the experiences that i talked about but really i i want the reader to sort of have empathy for their own story and that is something i say again and again in the book because i think I think so often we, we walk through so much pain that we're afraid to look at the pain um, and afraid to have the eyes of Jesus toward our own pain. And I think that Jesus cares immensely about our pain. He cares immensely about our story and he cares about the stories of the people around us. And so my my work in this book was to, to bring enough of my story into the to the book that I could sort of create a sense of empathy or feeling or identifying with in the book while not losing sight of the greater story, which is Jesus and and his work on Earth. So I did that through, yeah, eight scenarios. Um, I talk about self-touch. I talk about uh, touch within platonic friendship, touch within singleness, uh, touch within dating, in marriage, in the family, and then in the world. I think that was all eight. And, um, yeah, I just very, draw from the gospels and how Jesus was interacting with various people, maybe not necessarily exactly in that situation. For instance, um, when it comes to, uh, marriage, I talk about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. So there's obviously not a marriage there, but there is this sort of mysterious, um, permanent relationship there that I think we can really draw from in looking at
0: marriage tremendously intimate um touch of Jesus on many occasions in many profound and powerful ways um and, and the consideration of of Jesus allowing little children to come unto him mm-hmm. um the the way that touch is uh, has been for many young people um and for many adults as young people right touch touch has been robbed of its yeah. Of its gentleness and its beauty and its um, and its healing power. So I'm going to continue yeah. my conversation in just a moment with Lori Ferguson-Wilbert. We have to take a very brief break. We're talking about her book, Handle with Care, How Jesus Redeems the Power of Touch in Life and Ministry. If you're interested in a copy, um, I have a few here in the studio. You can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation now with Lori Ferguson Wilbert. The book is "Handle with Care: How Jesus Redeems the Power of Touch in Life and Ministry." Um, Lori, I want to uh, I want to allow you to um, to say more about the book, but I also really want to have a conversation with you about um, people who walk into church and we make assumptions about them. And this sort of gets to your own story. Um, I would you be willing to take a little bit of a segue here from the conversation about the book and um and walk around with us in the assumptions that uh that were made about you in terms of of the church and working in the church and then really the point at which you have this totally life transforming experience with Christ and how that came to be.
3: Yeah, um so I grew up in um, a multitude of different churches uh, no one specific denomination and when I was about 20 I um, I walked through a, a pretty traumatic situation um, one of my younger brothers was killed in an accident um, my family was we had moved six hours from where I was born and raised and my parents were about to walk through a pretty horrific divorce and so um, I landed. On you know in a local church, and was just enveloped by the people there and loved deeply, I'm still loved very deeply by those people, and I love them deeply. But I think there was an assumption that I understood the gospel because I sort of assimilated with the people um because I needed a family and I needed people who were going to love me and see me and care for me, and I was just desperate for some stability at that point in my life. And so I landed there and was there on and off. Um, I, I moved away for college, but came back uh, for about 10 years. And at the near the end, about eight years in just realized, I don't, I would listen to people talk about the gospel or talk about Jesus and, and sin and holiness and all these things and I, I realized I don't understand the gospel. I don't believe the gospel. Um, and it wasn't because I was, I had this rebellious streak it's just because I don't think anyone had ever really ex- sat down and explained the gospel to me. Um, and I think, uh, um, a theologian I read once said, was speaking about a s- certain demographic and he talked about how the first generation loved the gospel. The second generation assumed the gospel, and the third generation hated the gospel. He's talking about a, a people group of Christians and, and I realized I was in that place where the gospel was just assumed and, and that really brought me to just a season of a lot of uh, doubt and some darkness and um, and ultimately landing uh, on a, in a place where I just thought, man, I, I just don't think God is good. And if he's not good, then I, I don't know that I can serve him um, th- the way that I understand him. And it, ultimately what I realized a few years later was that I actually didn't understand him. I didn't understand the cross, didn't understand grace. I did not understand um holistic grace that there wasn't it wasn't like you get saved and then you have to sort of work again to 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 stay in um i didn't understand that i thought that that's what you know being a christian was and and then a few years later the lord it's a long story but the lord uh, brought me to uh, texas and i heard the gospel and Um, it, it just was completely unveiled to me in a, in a way that I'd never seen before. And that really, that was 10 years ago. And, and and now I know, like I can go through, you know, highs and lows, but there's a, a certainty, a surety that's, that was not there before. That's not to say I don't still struggle with doubts or fears or uh, sin or any of the things that I struggled with before. I still, you know, you, we carry the person we were before, even though we're a new creation, we carry those same sort of, well, like I'm talking about in the book, we carry those stories with us. We carry that trauma we walk through. We carry the brokenness with us into our new story. The difference is that um, we understand and see Christ and that we're drawing nearer to Christ through that um, in sort of the after part of our story. But yeah, that doesn't change the brokenness that we had to walk through before. And, and so I would say the last 10 years has just been, okay, how do I now navigate belief in Christ and love for Christ and understanding of the cross and grace? How do I navigate that now? Um, seeing trauma, seeing brokenness, seeing uh, so much hurt and disappointment from before. How do I see that now uh, as a new creation, knowing that I'm not fully a new creation until we get to the new heaven and the new earth? So I don't know if that sort of answers your question.
0: Oh yeah, and it's exactly um I'm thankful um for your willingness to share and sort of re-till that soil that I know you have mm-hmm. you have tilled on multiple occasions. Um I wanted people to be exposed to um to your story in part because so many of us simply just keep going along. We just keep yeah following the patterns or the rhythms, and we never pause to say, I don't actually know what they're talking about when they use the term gospel. I don't—that person over there who seems to be living with such peace and such joy in the midst of such what would be, you know, in my life, total, you know, like chaos, right? How—I don't know what she has. Like, we have uh, become—we've come to a place where I think many, many people who go to church are simply going through cultural rhythms And they are completely missing the reality of the real life in Christ. And you um, put words to that in ways and you expose that own experience in your in your life in a way that I think is so refreshing and allows other people to say, "Okay, if she can say it out loud, so can I. So I just wanted um, people to be aware of that.
3: Yeah. And I think I think, too, I I don't want to cast a blame on anyone for doing that sort of going through the cultural Expectations of showing up at church and reading your Bible and having your quiet time, quote, like those those are things that a lot of us are just doing to survive. We we mm-hmm. don't know a different way. And so I think what my deepest hope for this book is, is that we would have just empathy for our own story, that we would be able to see our story and the brokenness that we've worked through and the fears that we have and the doubts that we have and questions and all those things. We would see those things as Christ sees them, and we would interact with them with the gentleness and the faithfulness and the kindness that Jesus interacts with them. And um, he's not, I think for so long, I believed that he was this, and I still, I'm not going to pretend I don't still struggle with this, this harsh taskmaster who's just waiting to sort of bop me over the head every time I mess up. And I think writing this book, just spending so much time in the Gospels with the person of Christ, I just began to see him from such a like a tender way, um, in a new and fresh way. For me, even having been saved now for 10 years, it still was just new and beautiful to me to see how he cares for his children.
0: Mm. His mercies are new every morning because every morning yeah. we need new mercy. Yeah. Um Lori Ferguson Wilbert, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. The book is Handle with Care. I have copies available. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can um, connect with Lori at her website, which is sayable.net. It's the word say, like I am able to say, sayable.net. Lori, thanks so much. Yeah. My encouragement uh, to... To you today is that you would walk tenderly and gently into the day which now lies ahead. Um, Approach people as if they are precious and fragile. Um, Approach conversations in that way. Hey, this is I'm preaching to myself right now because these are not my tendencies. These are not my. uh, This is this is not what comes naturally to me. This is what must. Only come supernaturally. This is going to be the Holy Spirit impressing himself upon me um, in, in terms of approaching the conversations of the day and people today um, with tenderness and mercy, recognizing that they are precious and that they are burdened, um, that many of them are very, very afraid, that most of them do not know the joy of salvation. Um, most of them are living in darkness and doubt and fear. And, and right on the verge of just what we would just call desperation. And so let's, uh, let's acknowledge today as we live in the world that, um, that people are precious, they're created in the image of God, uh, that he loves them, and that he sends us out as agents of that grace and mercy. And if you need uh, to be reminded of that today, then let me just say, um, my sister or brother, child of the living God, you are precious in God's sight. And he loves you very much. You can catch the podcast later today and share it with someone new by visiting myfaithradio.com. I trust that you will have a great day as God blesses you, and you are his blessing to others. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio.